Not many people recover from cancer and go on to win an Olympic medal. Not only that, but do it barely two years after undergoing chemotherapy. But South African rower Lawrence Britton has, claiming silver with partner Sean Keeling in the men's coxless pair at the Rio Olympics in 2016. This is his story. You know, afterwards and after they'd made the diagnosis, they said I'd had it for a while, possibly even two years. And I think those two years of trying to be a professional athlete and trying to train at the, the top of the game and having this in your body and having the cancer in your body and, and just slowing you down, slowly draining all your energy was really, really tough for me to, to you know, I keep training harder, I keep training better and smarter and the performance is kind of just, you know, stagnating and having a dip here, then we'd kind of look for something, you know, maybe we thought I got some bullhazy or something from the water we're rowing on or, you know, lots of different things like that along the way and then we treat for that and have a, you know, bounce back a little bit, have a good week or two and we think maybe we, we sorted it out and then kind of just going in this downward spiral, but really slow and I think really tricky to um, to pinpoint, you know. And also as an athlete, you're tired all the time. Like your job is to train hard and, and to put your body on the line all the time. So it's difficult to say, oh, you know, I'm a bit tired today. <laughs> I'm, feeling a, I'm feeling a bit under pressure, whereas everybody is feeling like that. The whole team is, is under a bit of pressure. So it was very difficult to make the jump. And I think we just kept looking for more and more things and kind of getting further and further down the road and you know 2014 was not a great season for me I started off really in a decent place in the top uh, uh, crew of the of the team and then having to to get dropped from the team into the second boat that season was was really brutal really tough and then even through world champs we were going you know worse and worse and had an average world champs and then to then have so then we had the break of the season and then as we started the next season again like October 2014 I was still feeling terrible and then that's when uh, you know the, the doctor who's actually my mom the team doctor is uh, <laughs> it's my mom so it was really tough for her I think to, to make that step and go okay well we actually have to look a bit harder because something's definitely uh, not right and then you know, and I think as soon as we did those scans it was very clear that uh, something very <laughs> terrible was going wrong so, yeah, and then it was straight from being an athlete one week to, to in the chemo room the next week. Can you remember where you were when you, when you first got the news that, uh, and am I right in saying it was stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma? Yeah, so I'd gone to the hospital to do a lot of scans and, uh, and some tests. And then uh, obviously my mom and my dad is also a doctor, so they were at the hospital and they were there. And then I'd been in under some uh, heavy medication though, for, for one of the biopsies that they had to do uh, as one of the tests. And then obviously when that started wearing off, my parents had uh, found out and then they sent me down home and, and told me this <laughs> pretty shocking news. And that week was, I mean, for obviously the treatment and, and everything else that came with it was very tough. But that week, again, like the adjustment is so difficult for me and the same similar challenges with the lockdown is the adjustment to adding a whole season or, you know, the adjustment to finding out that suddenly you're not an athlete anymore and you're a patient is, is really, really tough. And I think that's like so shocking and so like abrupt, uh, really difficult. So many people go through cancer, uh, Lawrence, and, and many people obviously survive it, but maybe give us a sense of what that whole chemo experience is like. And it obviously I would imagine would have been a double whammy for you being a pro athlete who's used to being physically on top of his game 
to now being at the complete mercy of this um, of this chemotherapy. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, everyone has a friend or a family member or themselves have gone through it and know how, how brutal it is. And really, I mean, the chemo was, honestly, it was so terrible. I went through uh, six three-week cycles. So, you know, and just each cycle is just eating your body away and, and you're just feeling worse and worse. And like, even just mentally preparing for the next cycle was tough, you know, and you knew it was time to go back to the hospital to, to start the, the next round was really, really brutal. And... Yeah, I mean, I had this thing where so I wasn't doing any training at all uh, during the chemo, just uh, resting as much as I could. And But I had a thing like getting to the hospital, I wanted to take the stairs every time. It was on the, the third floor of the chemo room. And like by, I think like the, the you know, the fourth uh, cycle, the stairs were like, that was like a full day of training just to, to get the, the body to the top of the stairs. And yeah, I mean, you just feel, honestly, you feel so terrible all the time. Um, and really, really taking it out of you. And then as you, you know, because the, the first week of each cycle is like the, the main part of the, the chemo. And then those next two weeks, basically just allowing you to recover a little bit so they can uh, smoke you again. So <laughs> it's really, really tough. And you're in the, when you're getting it, you, you're in the chemo room. You've got all the other uh, cancer patients around you. Everyone else is going through the same challenges. So really, really tough Um time and you know you've got to just draw strength and you know luckily i have good family and uh such a supportive family a good team that they you know they came and sat with me during the chemo sessions and it was it was really cool not to to be going through that alone you still must have gone to some dark places lawrence and i, I, I would i would imagine that rowing must have been the last thing on your mind and certainly making a comeback must have been the last thing on your mind yeah i think when you get thrown with a challenge like that is you know the rowing becomes a a nice thing that you used to do, you know, is suddenly there's something much more important at stake. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I didn't think about rowing at all. And also there's so many complications, you know, I think the doctors knew I was an athlete. They were trying really hard to, to not, you know, hit me with doses that uh, were going to do damage. But, you know, these medicines are, are really not healthy for you at all. So, um, you know, they could have destroyed, uh, you know, lots of my vital organs that, uh, you know, that were in any hopes of, uh, of a rowing or a sporting career. So I wasn't really thinking about it. I was just it's all about getting better. And only towards the end, like, you know, the last uh, month or two, then the doctors were, okay, well, things have gone really well. Uh, we, we kind of, we've eliminated all the, the cancer. The scans were coming back really well. And the damage that they were worrying about didn't seem to, to have, uh, have occurred. So... It was all about then starting to, to think about rowing and, and maybe coming back into, into training, whereas before that it was just about getting better and, and just about getting healthy again. And yeah, it was really cool because when, when I started training again, so after the last chemo, I had to give it another month or so uh, just to, to let all that stuff uh, go through the system. And then I had to start like, really, really slowly because you know, your muscles, you haven't used them properly for, for a good couple of months. They've been basically poisoned. For months and months so you don't want to do any more damage and it was a, a long journey back i had a heart rate cap so i could only really train at really really low intensity and just kind of building up the the base and then eventually uh, i had to go and do a stress ecg at the at the hospital so run on the treadmill test the heart see if uh, any issues were there and i remember after that then the, the doctor he looked at me and he said no everything looks good now go win us some medals. <laughs> so it was really cool to 
get those chains up and, and be able to to go and and really train hard again. That was really special uh, special time. Can you remember your first day of training post uh, post chemo and, and what did you do? Were you in the gym? Did you go for a, a light jog down the road? What was that first day? Yeah, so most of the, the first uh, days were just on the bike, uh, training on the stationary trainer, but like really light. I had a heart, the heart rate cap and basically just pedaling at like no resistance. I was hitting my, my heart rate cap. And then it was like the days I remember more is like getting back in the boat. And that was so awesome. Like I, I've got videos from the coach of me getting back in the boat, and it was it's was, it was quite terrible to watch because I put on so much weight. I like, I think I put on like 20 kilos uh, during the chemo. So <laughs> this huge guy I could barely move in the boat, and uh, basically thing is sinking under me. But you know, then slowly you know making progress there, and 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 starting to first I built up the the kilometers and the time of training and then the doctors gave me the the go ahead on the heart rate we started lifting that up and the thing i probably remember the most was i'd probably done about two or three months of training and luckily the coach had let me come on uh, on march camp which was uh, up in lesotho again and it was I wasn't training nearly what the rest of the team were training, but it was just nice to be back in there, back in the, in the environment of, of training properly. And we finished that camp, and I was basically doing the, the same mileage as everyone else, but just the intensity much lower. And starting to, to find uh, decent speed again, and then I'd say to the coach, uh, no, I think I can like start joining in with the team's training again and maybe some crew boats and stuff. And he just told me, no way, you, you're still way too bad to, to join in on the, on the team's training. So the next two weeks, they had traveled to, to Italy to start the season and start the, the international racing. And I basically just like crashed diets. And like, I ate just dinner once a day and, and lots of coffee during the day. And I think I lost like seven kilos by the time they'd uh, get back, <laughs> they'd got back. So you know, then I knew, okay, things are, are really going well, back on track. But Lawrence, and so in the interim, I mean, you you would have, I mean, just take you back to to pre cancer diagnosis was um, you'd been like you said relegated to the B boat. Um, now even you know a few months down the line, you, you know you would have been way down the pecking order and physically compromised. What is the process to getting you back into a position where you were even in contention to go to Rio in 2016? Because by now we would have been into into 2015. Am I right? Yeah. So in 2015. Uh, so we started that season and like I joined in, I joined in on that camp, but I wasn't really in any position to to race or, or go and, um, and do anything. And then I was quite lucky actually because so I've been training quite well and, and I started to to find decent form again and not, I mean, I was still way off where I had been before, but I was doing all the training and I was, I was coping with uh, all the intensity and, you know, and actually I, this is where I could start to feel how sick I'd been before because... You know, I'd do a hard session and then suddenly, you know, where I'd expect you to feel tired for, you know, two or three days, suddenly I was feeling like 100% by the afternoon. So I'm like, oh, this is something definitely was wrong before because this is how it should, this is what it's supposed to feel like. And things are going really great. And, and then South African Championships was coming around. So I wanted to, uh, I was in the single, obviously training by myself and I wanted to do, to race there. And the coach had said, no, I must enter the, the B event. And I told him, no, listen, I'm a professional athlete. I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not racing in a B event. Like that's just, it's, it's not for me. And 
I mean, I quite an argument about it. <laughs> I got quite a lot of uh, pushback from the from the powers on uh, that I wasn't up to to scratch to to race in the A events, and there was some big names uh, racing in the in the top events. And then what happened was there's no not enough entries in the B event. So they pushed everyone into the A event already. <laughs> so around the time the racing came, I got to race. And I just managed to sneak into the A final. So I think there was probably about like, uh, you know, 14 entries into into the event. And uh, top eight was for the A final. So through the heat, I had to eat all my cookies and <laughs> race as hard as I could to, to get through. But I'd made it uh, into the final, which was really, really cool. And then... Uh, yeah, I think I still I didn't have a great race. I think I finished seventh, just taking uh, one name at the at the end of the race, which was really cool. But then the next, the rest of the season, you know, they were they were trying to they had the the top boat, which was the men's pair, and that was selected with uh, Sean Keeling, who I ended up going to the Olympics with, and uh, another guy, David Hunt. And the the rest of the team, they were trying to build up a four that could go and, and qualify for, for the London, I mean, for the Rio Games. So I, you know, I had my sights set on it, but, you know, I knew everything, every little piece had to fall into place for, for me to make it. And in rowing, the, the boats qualify, so not the athletes, so the boat can qualify for the Games and the coach can change the crew that, that attends the Games the next year. So uh, Sean and David had qualified that boat. And the next year, that was the only heavyweight boats qualified so the the competition was really brutal to make it into that boat and you know that was when I really started to to find the form that I should have been in uh pre-cancer you know I really was right on my a game hitting numbers that I never hit before and, and really just dishing up good racing and then it was quite clear I think that's by like March by selection time that me and Sean were really quick together and, and doing something uh that's could be really fast by the Olympics. So you picked for Rio. You guys go there. Give us a sense of where you were ranked or what the expectation. What was the rowing world expecting from from you and Sean Keeling as a as a coxless coxless pair going into those Olympics? Where were you roughly ranked, and, and what were you ranked to, to finish at that games? I think we were fourth. We were ranked fourth going into to the Rio um, the Rio Games, and we had had some good races uh, early on in the season. And the, the final race just before um, before the Olympics, well, about two months before it was in uh, Switzerland, and it was the biggest uh, pre, pre-Olympics race where so most countries were there. We weren't really missing anyone in the men's pair. And we raced down the track, and we missed the, the silver medal by 0.2 of a second. So it was the Kiwis, they were the clear favorites for, for that year's uh, gold medal. And then it was between... You know, us, the, the Dutch were really fast in the early season. The British were always really quick. Uh, and then us and, and the, the Dutch and us and the, and the British had had this really close race down, down the track. And, and we had just missed out on second and ended up in fourth place between the three of us by um, 0.2 of a second. So we knew that there was not a lot in it for those uh, that silver and, and bronze medal. And, you know, it's going to be close to... to you can, you can, it's going to be right in you know fractions between the, the podium and a silver medal and fourth place and, and no medal. So, and I think we used that, you know, coming fourth there, I think, you know, it hurt us so much to, we really 
we should have got that silver. You know, we, we had a great race down the track and we literally lost it on the on the finish line. So I think we burnt us so much and, and we really used that to fuel our training for those next two months. And, you know, we'd call to each other, you know, point two, never again. That's it's never happening again that uh, we're going to come on the on the wrong side of a decision so close. So I think that almost coming forth there was a, a little bit of a blessing because it made us really hungry and, and really fight for, for those last few split seconds uh, going into Rio. And then we'd had quite a difficult build-up to, to Rio. You know, I'd, um, yeah, I think probably from the, the chemo, I was still my body's immune system is not the, not the best. So I often get, you know, uh, upper respiratory, uh, you know, infections. I often have a cold and that sort of thing. So our heat and our, our semi were definitely not our best races. We weren't uh, firing as well as we, we should have been, but, you know, we did the business and we got through those races. You know, we, our, one of the coaches uh, who coached the, the guys who won gold in London, he said, it's not about winning the, the heat or the, the semi. The, the goal of the semi, the goal of the heat is to get into the semi and the goal of the semi is to get into the, the final. So we did the job and we got through and then coming into that final, we knew it was going to be so close. And our goal was actually to really do damage in that second quarter, the second 500 of the race. And we just, you know, it was really windy and, and really rough at Rio, which is not the best rowing conditions. We wanted to be flat and you know, glass water that we can uh, really punish down the track. Whereas this really rough water made it very difficult to row, and especially in that second quarter of the race. And we actually had executed a pretty poor uh, second 500 and a bit in the shoulders and, and very tight. And then, but we managed to loosen up and, and find our rhythm in that second half. And coming into that last quarter of the race, I, I could see that, you know, the, the, this time it was the Italians that had a new combination come into to the games. And the Dutch had not managed to, to cope with the, the rough water of the, the Olympics. So the Italians and the British were so close. And I could just see, oh, this is the Switzerland right again. You know, this is going to be so close and down to the wire. And I remember calling to Sean, like, point two, this is not happening again. We're not losing this, this race by, by that much. And there was just this huge uh, finish from us. You know, we, we really were not letting that, uh, that, metal slip away from us this time and we're so strong towards the second half of the race so it was it was really awesome feeling coming into that last 100 meters knowing that things have gone well and and we can have a go at the the kiwis not worry about the the italians anymore and did you know when you crossed the line that you guys had finished second yeah because i was shouting at sean like say we've got silver like go for gold go for gold like come on we, we can squeeze out some more yeah um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, and when you watch the race, it does look a bit close. Like, you think, oh, the Italians are not that far away. But there's a lot of stuff that were coming back. It was, <laughs> it was so strong at that point of the race and, and going so well that uh, I think we knew probably the last, like, 100 meters that, uh, that bar anything going wrong, we're, we're going to get the silver. And, you know, it was really cool to, to cross the line and know that you, you've done something that you've dreamt about your, your entire life. And that feeling, uh, Lawrence, I mean... Surely you must have thought in that moment, the journey you'd been on, the cancer, the pain of the last sort of 18 to 20 months. I mean, in a, do, you, do you get the sense in the, is it just sheer exhaustion and relief at that stage? Yeah, I think at the finish line, you, you just gone through so much pain and you know, those races hurt so much that you, you're just worrying about how much, you, how much pain you're in. But I remember thinking at the start line, because that's when you're so nervous and you you're really worrying about how much this race is going to hurt. And then I remember thinking back, like, look, we've 
you know, what we've done in the last 18 months is absolutely unbelievable. Just being on the start line here at the Olympics is like, should never have happened. You know, it was, it was such a long shot and we've done it. So it's just uh, get through these next seven minutes and, uh, and, you know, dish up as much as you can. And yeah, I think that feeling of the finish line, you know, it's, as everyone says, it's really hard to put into words. It's, you know, so much um, emotion and so much effort that you've put in for that, into that. And it's all come together in those seven minutes and, and you've come away with uh, something you've dreamt about for so long. And you've dreamt about it like every rowing session. And, and even when you're a little kid, you dream about it standing on the Olympic podium and then it happens and it still outdoes all those expectations that you've built up over these years. So, uh, yeah, it's really a special. Any tears uh, after the race or during the Olympic ceremony or seeing your mum and dad and your brothers? No, I managed to, to hold it together, but, but I think my family, <laughs> they were struggling. There's such an awesome picture of us just uh, at the at the podium and like my whole family is crying <laughs> and I'm just laughing at them <laughs> with a big smile on my face. So it's a really cool picture. It's just a, it's a segue to your family, uh, Lawrence. You, you come from a rowing family. You mentioned your mom's the, the national rowing team doctor. Your dad was a rower. You said he nearly qualified for Atlanta 96. And then, of course, your brother won, won gold in London 2012. And there's another brother who's, who's rowed for South Africa as well. Am I right? Yeah, so I have three brothers, and all of us have uh, our South African colors for, for rowing. My older brother has the gold medal at London and... Uh, but him and my next brother have retired, so they've uh, they've retired from rowing. But myself and my youngest brother are still um, are still rowing in, in the team. And my youngest brother's uh, under twenty three world champion, so he's showing lots of promise. And uh, I think it'll be cool to to maybe have a year when I when I can go with him at, at some point. Gee, Sunday lunches at, uh, at at your at your house must be must be fun. Do you talk about anything besides rowing? Yeah, I think like. Uh, my wife and uh, I think when she joined the family, it was I think it was a bit crazy for her because I think we literally only spoke about rowing at uh, at family lunches and I think it's you know the addition of uh, of more girls to to the family as all my brothers are getting engaged and married and stuff. It's uh, I think that's helped us a lot. <laughs> I think before that it was probably like a hundred percent rowing and now it's uh, it's got a bit more balance. Um, but it's also really cool, though. You know, it's, I think it's it's one of the reasons that the, that my family has done so well. So we were able to, you know, talk about really difficult uh, and complicated, like technical aspects, or you know, racing and emotions, and uh, and you know, the, the the stress of of racing. You know, and everyone understands that quite well. So I think it's a huge advantage uh, growing up. And and you know, obviously we're super competitive, but we also you know, we, I've never really had to race against my brothers. And it, it sounds like you guys are a tight-knit family. You do stuff with your brothers. Uh, I read somewhere that uh, you guys have brewed beer together. Is that right? Yeah, so we have a little, like, homebrew set up, and we, we've done uh, we've brewed quite a bit of beer. You know, we don't drink enough of it because uh, <laughs> it doesn't go so well with training, but keep my dad supplied pretty well. And uh, it worked quite well during lockdown as well when, uh, when everyone was running a little dry. What about uh, some of the other things you like to get up to away from rowing, uh, Lawrence? I mean, I know it's a pretty all-consuming sport, and if you're a professional rower, and effectively it's, uh, it must maximize your time. Any other time to do anything else, uh, whether it's movies, reading, music? What are your personal interests? Yeah, I do quite a lot of, of other little bits and pieces. So I run a podcast with one of my other teammates, Jake Green. 
Uh, it's like a rowing podcast. We, we interview other athletes from around the world. And yeah, I mean, it's so, so much fun and, and so much, we learn so much chatting to, to these other athletes and people that have done multiple Olympic medals or, you know, trained in very difficult conditions and realize that everyone has these like crazy stories and, and crazy difficulties that they've overcome to, to get to, to where they are. Yeah, the other things, I mean, I love movies. So it's been very difficult during lockdown not to be able to, to go to the movies. Uh, quite a little bit of a geek there. I love watching all sorts of, of movies, especially like uh, the Marvel movies or, you know, superhero movies. I was at Varsity with a couple of rowers, um, uh, Lawrence, and um, they were the moggiest guys on campus. To be a successful pro rower, do you have to be slightly crazy? Do you have to be a bit moggy? <laughs> I think so. Like when I look at my team, uh, and like I see, like I mean, there's no like set kind of crazy that you have to be. You, you know, there's no like oh, you, you need to be, you know, on this side of the spectrum. But I think most of the team is is definitely a little crazy in in their own special way, and I think it definitely helps though. I think because the training is so tough, and like physically, you really have to put yourself out there again and again, and you have to be so competitive that I think if you if you kind of have it all together, then I think you, you realize what a, what a stupid idea it all is. Um, so you have to be a little bit crazy to, to enjoy it and to, to be able to go through it day in, day out. Lastly, Lawrence, um, next year's Olympics. What can we expect? And, and I have no doubt that nothing less than a medal will, would satisfy you. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, like, obviously, I've got the the silver, and I would love to for gold. And you know, the team's ethos is all about go for gold. You know, it's it's not about aiming for for anything less than that. And we've had such a awesome. You know, the last few years haven't the results not necessarily haven't been the best, but you know, we've had to build the team up again from a very young age. And this year was the first year where I felt things were starting to really click. You know, we're having putting combinations on the water that we were really competing with uh, Sean and I's times that we had posted uh, in 2016. And, you know, the, the energy was was really building up and, and I was getting so excited about uh, the 2020 games. So having an extra 12 months, I'm just going to see it as an opportunity. I'm just going to, you know, pour everything I can into to working on elements that I can work on now. And then when 2021 comes around, hopefully we... The team is in an even stronger position, and we can we can find some combinations that are, are really really dangerous. Which um, secretly I'm really really uh, positive about. I think that we can uh, do some real damage, which is really exciting. So he brews his own beer and he likes his action movies, but it's his story that grabs me. A true inspiration. Lawrence Britton, cancer survivor and Olympic medalist. Can he make it a double in 2021?